Hi, welcome to uh, Fear of a Black Planet, episode 89. I've absolutely no idea what I'm going to talk about today, apart from just a couple of things I did write down, but mainly what I'm going to talk about is just whatever's on my mind. And there's lots of things on my mind, but... So, I warn you, it could be a bit rambly. I'm really knackered. I finished up the course I was doing. Very intense, very psychodynamic. Feeling overwhelmed, I think, is, is, is the, the way to put it. Slightly drained, although I seem to be catching up on some sleep, which is nice. Um... I was at a friend's house the other night and he was saying that, <clears throat> well, you know, a couple of, basically after the Brexit vote, I, I really dialed back my social media interaction and I realised that I was being quite pugilistic online as well. And he was saying that people were going to misunderstand what I'm saying because I only seem to criticise the left and their hypocrisies. And that People are going to get their backs up about that. Liberals, who are most of my friends on Facebook. So the, the, in some sense, there's some obligation that I might have to temper what I'm saying. But <clears throat> the bottom line is, I feel that the, the, the first of all, that the threat of white fascism and, and the white nationalist right is a, is a greatly exaggerated threat. I'm not saying there aren't nutters out there who are very vocal. I'm not saying, you know, I was as shocked as anyone by Charlottesville and all that. But <clears throat> the, the pernicious reach of um, collectivist authoritarian tendencies on the left, I think shocked me and I think that's why I became very pugilistic and um, because I was I, I had a rude awakening in a way over a period of time I suppose it began it began with the realisation that oh, around jihadism and, and terrorism that one of the main tactics of these, and I've heard this from people who were extremists, so I've heard it from the horse's mouth, so to speak, that one of the main tactics of jihadism or of, or of any subversion, and you can see it in the, in the sort of Russia Today tactics of subversion, is to use the weakest kind of liberalism, the sort of PC liberalism, as a tactic so that all you need to do is to manipulate the white guilt and the sort of feeling that white people deserve greater criticism than brown people, which is essentially the sort of foundational insecurity in the white middle-class liberal Corbynista types. <clears throat> because they, 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 their whole, the whole basis of their radicalism, if, you, if we can even call it that, I actually call it status quoism disguised as radicalism is based on a on a anachronistic throwback to the 50s that 
the people in charge, the the sort of what Owen Jones would call the establishment, are bowler hatted, pinstripe suit, white guys with grey hair, Tories, and that everyone else is fighting against them, and it makes everyone else feel great. That's essentially, I mean, it's a simplistic worldview, and um, that's why all the patriarchy, white privilege, all these things are really based on that, you know, everyone is either Churchill or, or Nixon or something like that. And that and in to even criticise the left is to defend some mythical, uh, tyrannical establishment. And that's what Trump symbolises to them. They can't see some... Christopher Hitchens said something really great. He said that the, the problem with the modern left is they can't see a new thing when it hits them. And that was the reason why the main critiques of, of after the 9-11 attacks were about American foreign policy, rather than confronting something which is more horrifying, which is that there is an actual fascist movement within some extreme strands of the Islamic religion that has dedicated itself to subversion and destruction. And it's going to use the, one of the main tactics. This is not speculation. This is not speculation. This is not speculation. This is a fact. This I have heard this from extremists. I went to a talk. I've spoken with Majid Nawaz twice personally, and this was the gist of what he said: is that there there is this danger that he used to use what they called useful idiots of this of the middle class socialists. So that after the Charlie Hebdo thing, for instance, it became impossible to 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 have a discussion about it which was just, this is wrong, it should never have happened, let's hold these people to justice. It was all this, oh, well, well did Charlie Hebdo throw oil in the fire? Is there a, were they, were they punching up in a sense, blah, 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 blah. This is utter crap. Um, and so that's why I criticise the left more, because I see it as, you're never going to find something like Charlottesville, but you will, it, it, in a way, it's more pernicious because it's ideological and it's propaganda. I'm, I'm against all forms of propaganda, and propaganda is my enemy. If you want to understand what I'm doing on this podcast, it's it's an attempt to dissolve the impact of any kind of propaganda whatsoever. Because I truly, whatever you can say about me, whatever criticism you can throw at me, I truly, truly believe in the complexity, beauty, intricacy, and mystery of human nature. There isn't a definable characteristic in human nature. It's an eternal mystery. In that sense, I am absolutely an existentialist in the truest sense of the word. The, the, the moral impact of that point is that once you confront that fact, you actually become excessively moral in your outlook. Or the, what I mean by that is not a moral superiority, but there's a grave sense of responsibility once you realize the complexity and intricacy of the human condition. And once you confront that in yourself, you cannot but not have compassion and love for what you are a manifestation of. A sense There's a grave humility and responsibility that comes with that and with that comes a love of the other that's the that's the basics of it and i'm against anything which tries to simplify the human condition in any way and i feel that 
One of the most dangerous ways is the collectivism that's based on compassion. It's one thing. It's it, there's no there's not there's no further propaganda to be said about Nazis. People who keep going on about Nazis, what they're really doing is just trying to aggrandize themselves and say how great they are. People who just go on about how terrible the right wing are are not saying anything other than I'm fantastic, I'm wonderful. It's not. It's a no-brainer to denounce Nazis. It is, on the other hand, a far more complex and more pertinent to our times struggle to confront collectivist ideological simplifications and dangerous propaganda that is, that is um, spread in the name of compassion and justice. That's far more threat to civil rights, in my view. I don't see why this is a problem. I don't see why this is so difficult for people to understand. Well, I do see why it's difficult. It's difficult to understand because it's difficult to live by it. It's difficult to actually... Because what you have to do is you have to confront your own tendency. We all do it. We all like to to have it both ways, to, to fulfill our selfish desires, but also say that we're for the underdog and that we care about the homeless. When in actual fact, we do jack shit. I know that's true of me. You know, I'm not claiming to be morally superior here. In fact, the opposite. So that, it, it just frustrates me that I keep having to have this conversation. And it frustrates me that tolerance and justice are being, I mean, it, it, you see it from my point of view here, look, try, please, because it's, what I'm saying is someone threatening your individual integrity and dignity, say through a racist attack, an outright racist attack, is one thing. However, nasty reprehensible, disgusting, and uncivilized, and uh, deplorable it is. What it is not is complex. What it is not is a mystery. It is pretty straightforward why a Nazi is a cunt and should be resisted. However, and this is the problem with revolutions throughout history. This is, this is a lesson we all need to learn as a society. The, once you have a revolution, you then have a pretext for any amount of brutality based on the moral high ground of that revolution. And I feel that we are kind of in a situation like that on a cultural level from the 1960s cultural revolution. I believe in that revolution. I believe in the emancipation of the self. But what I do but I feel that it's been abused and hijacked as revolutions always are by ideologues and thugs. And I believe those thugs are the Greenpeace vegan types. The people who sign petitions. Their thuggishness is in their indifference and one great way to mask your indifference is to adopt certain sloganeering, politically correct, moral banners that don't actually involve any commitment or sacrifice or risk of any kind. And my attack is that, you know, I'm, I'm not any more active or committed than these people, but... 
it is actively destructive to use justice in the to use the, the it, it was the same thing that enraged me about George W. Bush taking other way taking people's freedom away in the name of freedom. It's exactly the same critique as I have and still always had for that type of conservatism with the neoconservativists. I don't like them. I think they're imperialists and one of the th- most, con- in, pa- in fact, the most contemptible thing. I think propaganda is the greatest evil, even more evil than mass murder, because it's the very thing that justifies mass murder. It's the very thing that gives, um, that makes it harder to resist genocide when, it, when, it, when we're confronted with it. And so I feel that the left, I criticize the left because I consider the values of the left to be worthwhile. And I just, I, I don't know, I get to the point now where even me saying this, even me saying this is pointless, isn't it? It's pointless. It's just pointless. I mean, uh, I'm not going to get into these battles, but I'm just talking about it because it came up the other day. And the only re- the only real way is to just actually find out what your values are and to stick by them and to make a great case for them in your actions and in your deeds and in your thoughts and in the way that you go about the world. And that's actually a better argument than getting into tussles with ideological pseudo-liberals and pseudo-leftist petition signers who are actually in their indifference and in their laziness and in their aversion to risk are actually contributing to the degradation of the very values they claim to be fighting for. You know, if you're justifying ISIS in the name of it um, fighting intolerance, you are not just being intolerant and hiding it. You are actively degrading the very idea of tolerance. You're actively degrading the very idea of justice. You're actively degrading the very idea of freedom in your sleight of hand, to which you're completely ignorant within your own mind. That's the enemy to me. Does that make any sense? Does it, I mean, does it really need fucking great... I mean, am I really talking about something complex here? Because I don't think it's, 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 it's so embarrassingly simple from my point of view. I don't consider this some great intellectual stance or point of view. This is fucking common sense 101. the energy to get into these fights but I think that one of my, my plan of my plan of action from now on will be a creative to always affirm that very irreducibility and complexity of the human spirit that, that, that we are essentially a mystery to ourselves and to others and that is the basis of what makes us valuable that's the basis the basis of the value of life is not rational the basis of the value of life is our complexity our depth our mystery the mystery of the subject that's the the thing i'm going to affirm that the so much of us so much of what it means to be human just by necessity doesn't fall into rational ideological positions 
of any kind. And so I believe that, that that's one of the, the things about propaganda is it, it, it offers simple, rational solutions. Um, and one of the, the best, count, the, 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 I, re, I truly believe that the, the understanding human nature in its complexity and in its irreducibility and in its non-rational beauty is the best antidote to um, collectivist, fascist, or identitarian politics. You know, the, and people might say, this is affirming, affirming that you're an individualist. No, it's, that is a gross simplification again, because what it's saying is that I'm just some kind of Machiavellian, because that's, that's still an ideological point of view, that it's some Machiavellian individualism. No, it's manifestly not that. Yeah, I come out of the existentialist. I've only re I get to thirty-seven to realise how much of my my views are, are, are informed by this. And for so many times in my pa in the past, I've been accused of being some some sort of individualist and self and sort of advocating a kind of selfishness. It's the manifest opposite. Um. And I believe that, that that that's why I don't like political correctness. That's why I don't like identity politics. That's why I don't like any form of propaganda, whether it's from the right or the left, because it almost always, not almost, always does involve a simplification in order to get, in order to make it seem that obedience to an arbitrary law is the most rational point of view, when in actual fact, the truth about human nature and the truth about what we are and truth about life itself is that it isn't rational, that solutions are not immediate, that that the greatest acts of, of self-fulfillment and human potential very often tend to be when we are not faced with certainties and solutions, but when we are the source of our own solutions, that when we act on truly on our own responsibility, and our, our own value system. So, and that's not an arbitrary thing. That's that's the, it, you know it's 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 about authenticity and responsibility. We can only be that when we we strip away all forms of convenient political rationalization. So, justice is one thing. But it means nothing if all you're talking about is sort of dishing up the pie fairly. That's a very materialistic view of human nature, as if that's going to solve all the problems. No. True justice, to me, is, is a society which affirms the irreducibility of the subject. So anyway, there we go. I mean, I, I'm not going to dwell on that, but that's where I'm coming from. And, and I wish people... I just don't see what's fucking complex. I mean... Uh, well, I wrote some notes here. Because one of the things that I've learned in the last month or so is that basically, when, it, when we boil it down as artists, which is what we are, as creative people, as people who simply refuse to reduce human nature to simple ideological solutions or simple ideological... Um, caricatures it's becoming increasingly unvalued in society there's there's increasingly less market 
if you want to put it in materialist marketing terms, there's less market for this, increasingly so. And, and yet, it's incredibly valuable. It's, 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 the, it's precious. We must guard, like Dylan said, be the protectors of the mind. We must guard any attempt to reduce human nature to simplistic ideological propaganda. And that's why, you know, and, and, and I include in that marketing and, and, and neoliberal business and corporatism because they reduce human nature to just consume it, consumation and consume, consumption. Um, that we are, in, in a sense, just instinctual beasts. And what they attempt to do is to subvert the complexities of our individual natures in order to get us all to behave in the same way. So it's it's, it's doubly pernicious. And I and I believe that the the one of this is and here's a theory. It's not even a theory, it's just a speculative, angry point I want to make. But one of the the problems is that the modern left has been overtaken by a new elite of marketing professionals. And they are really skilled in this very, in this propagandist technique. And the upshot is that they're very skilled at um, eliminating individuality in the name of getting people, in the name of manipulating people to do the same thing, whether it be buy coffee or sign a petition for Jeremy Corbyn. That's who runs the show on, on that side of things. And I think that they're, they're, this all came in with Blair, by the way, this this hypocrisy and um, selling to the left, as Hitchens said about Clinton, selling to the left while delivering to the right. By that, by the right, just meaning vested interests, you know. So we, we're now in the, the situation where a true artist, where someone who's not going to make anyone else any money, who's affirming something irreducible and mysterious and is actually going against the grain of the idea of a creative entrepreneur, blah, blah, blah. Anything to do with m sort of market value creativity. A true artist is saying, actually, no, the, the truth of human existence is always much more complex than these um, marketable solutions, whether they be ideological or material. So how do we... How do you persist in this if there's no way to make money? That's my position. It's it's a sort of slight despairing position. But I've I've figured out a few ways of, of self-validation. We have to be self-validating as artists. I was reading a post by Stephen Pressfield, the author of The War of Art. It's always worth reading. And he said that a, a writer has to become self-validating. And it's true. And he made an argument as to why, but he didn't really offer any sort of clear paths as to how one does that. There isn't a clear path. It's, it's, it's by its nature being self-validating. You cannot expect anyone to have any solutions for you. But here's my, my plan of action. Based on my experience recently, but try and codify it in a more focused and purposeful way and try to keep reminding myself that I'm not going to get that support. You're not going to get that support. Society doesn't value what you have to say because we are living by definition in a society that wants to eliminate the very thing that as an artist you value, which is that irreducibility of the human condition. 
the first thing you have to do is to redefine your, your idea of success. I always used to follow the Bob Dylan view of success, which is a man is a success if he gets up every day and does the thing he loves. I still believe in that, but unfortunately, that's the older I get, the less likely that seems to be forthcoming. And even if you do go through periods, like I've, the last month I've had a good time getting up in the morning and going to a course and being creative and imaginative with my time and it and it's meaningful and it doesn't feel like I'm wasting my time and I would love to live like that for the whole of my life but immediately once the course is finished I'm now faced with <laughs> debts and uh, financial woes and um, you know strapped for cash and then going back into work and blah 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 so you have to redefine your view of success and I, I and I think that the be the only real way is to kind of do it in a Nietzschean way and by that I mean that see failure and struggle as a part of your definition of success. So that you don't view failure, and and that can be anything, you know, failure of outcome, material failure, things not working out, in the you know, you didn't get published or you didn't get that, could mean that. But it can also mean, and I think this is important, certainly for the depressives and neurotics like me out there, that we remember that our own failings are part of our success that what matters is how we bear the reality of our own flawed nature. We're going to fuck up. We're going to be selfish. We're going to be arrogant. We're going to be paradoxical. We're going to be contradictory, hypocritical. We're going to be we're going to fail in our own manifestation of our values. We're going to fall short of our own ideals. And part of the idea of success is persistence in the face of failure. So that could mean just being persistent if you you know, you know send off a manuscript and it doesn't get published and you carry on and get up the next day and start something new. Fine. That's one version of that, persistence in the face of failure. But the, the other, and I think this is certainly my struggle, is that my own moral failure, my own um, psychological fragility and, and weaknesses and um, shortcomings much harder to persist in the face of those and I think that when Nietzsche talked about suffering and self-overcoming and, and embracing the uncertain and embracing the the fragility of existence he had that as much in mind as, as material success and failure and struggle and I think that this is the real key, is that if we can def redefine success uh, to be continuing on, however incrementally, persisting, however insignificantly, but as long as there is some kind of spiritual forward movement in the face of our own sinfulness, in the face of our own degradation um you know so maybe you're an addict and you and, and you you ha you you fall back or maybe you 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 pride yourself on your ability to be kind and, and sympathetic and respectful to others but you you treat someone rudely you know at work um any of these kind of simple failings but which are actually they're very devastating because we then begin to doubt 
and um, deconstruct ourselves in the face of our own shortcomings. And we start to doubt whether we are capable of manifesting the very things that we, we hold to be dear. Um, that we... <clears throat> When, 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 we, when we, through no external force, end up falling short of our own value systems, that can be the most difficult form of failure to cope with, I think. And I think that a, a good redefinition of success would be, was I able to continue on battling for that value system, even in the face of my own lack of responsibility or moral failure to seize opportunities to manifest those values. That's the definition of success so that, so that you don't you, in, in, and if we can get to that self-validation that self-validating idea of success which is that whatever happens however much of a cunt I am however much of a moral hypocrite I am I still got up in the morning and I still did what I had to do and I still persisted through the, the, the moral failing. That's the key. Not to see one moral failing. Because we're we aren't flawed human beings. The whole definite the whole very idea of having a value system is is exactly to become more than what we are. So obviously we are not at that state of manifesting the pure example of those values. That's what it means to be human. That's part of the beauty of it. Another technique I use, and 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 I I actually have doubted it in the past, but I think that it's it's possibly one of the most powerful is hero worship. It's very unfashionable. Uh, people like to pride themselves on hero demolition these days, as if it's some kind of achievement, as if it's some sort of um, as if it uh, isolates you out as some kind of free thinker to be always bashing other people's heroes. But actually, I think it's one of the best ways to maintain a self-validating. Um, habit of thought in yourself is to is to venerate people who who you recognize to be manifesting those values to which you aspire to manifest and um the the it can be a, it can be a very good engine of persistence in the really troubling times to 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 affirm your connection to those people because more often than not they will have triumphed over their own failings their own internal failings as well as their own um, material failings and so that 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 seems like a simplistic thing but actually you have to be quite vigilant it means reading biographies every night of people that you love it means watching films that manifest those virtues it means really indulging saturating your psyche with heroes and heroism there's a reason why heroism is such a, a large part of our heritage as a culture because it's it it's a form of um affirmation that doesn't need a logical argument it it, it speaks for itself so when we so and it programs a very a deeper part of our psyche than the sort of cerebral side so i think that that that's that's something I want to develop. I think that hero worship, uh, as long as it's you know, as long as it's not propaganda. I mean, the, this is the problem: is everything's been so propagandized that everyone thinks that any form of hero worship is like people worshiping Hitler or something. I mean, it's just ridiculous. 
the right kind of hero worship is the one that makes you want to act, the one that makes you want to take more responsibility, the one that allows you to get up in the morning and affirm your individuality in the, f in the face of your own sinfulness and fragility. It doesn't give you grandiose ideas. Um, so yeah, there you go. Another thing that I find really difficult, but I, over the time I've got much better at it, is being very precious with your time. Um, I think I think it's a game changer if you can say no. There's these certain things, and it's you know again there's the exterior forces and the internal forces. One of the things I'm really bad at is managing my time when I do have my time, and then I just let it slip because there's no the only responsibility I have is to myself, and so it's very easy to betray yourself when you've got no one else but yourself to answer to. But you have to be vigilant about our time and 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 be able to say no and. Uh, um, Ring fence our time like a resource, a precious jewel, um, and once we do that, uh, there's something inherently self-validating in doing that. It sends a message to your subconscious in a way that, you know, what you're doing with your life and what and what your values are are intrinsically worthwhile because it's because there's a real sacrifice going on. And I'm saying this as someone who's really not very good at this and really has to be extremely vigilant and is always developing a strategy to do that. So, and, and and it isn't just with other people. I mean, I've got better at being able to say no to other people and and, and um, to not always be people pleasing and, and uh, accepting offers of hanging out with people just because I feel insecure that you know or something like that, or that I'm so enamoured of the idea of hanging out with people. It's um, I've learned to be more lonely. And to, and to actually value that and to value solitude but then there's that further battle with yourself once you have that solitude how much of that time are you robbing from yourself and how much of it because you can get away with it in a way you don't have to answer to other people but the the message you're the, the habit the psychological habit of being slack with yourself on your own time is really damaging to your values um and that doesn't mean beating yourself up. Again, persistence in the face of one's own moral failure. Like today, I got up late. I mean, I'm tired. I've had a lot. I've been really working hard the last month, last two months, really. Um, like it, exponentially harder than before. Um, so of course I'm tired and I'm, I'm burnt out and I'm ready for a break for Christmas, but. At the same time, it's very, I can see myself, I can see the, the my my lack of discipline, my di or my, my shaky discipline happening over the last few days is a product of a, a still um, the residual lack of respect for myself and my values and my own meaningful existence. So that... There's a connection there between how we are disciplined with our own time. And I don't mean to use the word disciplined in a kind of fascist term. I mean how precious we are with our time, how much we value our solitude and how much we value our position in life. There's a connection between how bad we are at time management and our low opinion of our own meaningful significance. And so I think that one of the... I think it's, maybe that's a good right way to be more disciplined is to, to affirm... 
your significance and moral worth in the world. Because I think a lot of what's seen as laziness can actually be fear or it can be a sort of nihilistic frustration, a hopelessness that our, our role in life and our, our, our significance as individual human beings is reduced in some way or minuscule or it's not significant. And I think that we need to affirm that it is. And one of the ways to do that is to recognize that existentialist truth, which is we are an irreducible subject. We are a mystery unto ourselves. We are essentially irreducible. There is something beyond scientific knowledge about the phenomenal truths about our lives. And I think that that, that keeps us alive. That is what we are. That is a great source of value in human life. And some people can call that God. I think that is what people called God in the past, is that irreducibility, that um, paradoxical mystery of, 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 of day-to-day life. Yeah, and, and, and I would say that, that that was actually going to be my final point on this issue, is that um, the more that we confront that truth about ourselves, that there's something essentially mystery, mysterious about who we are, even in within the immediacy of our own private knowledge of ourselves, that's not something to be feared, but something to be treated with awe, that there's something awesome in the truest sense of the word about our private existence in solitude. Um, and there's something intrinsically self-validating about that. The, the more that we do that, and I think that the part of the problems with consumerism and social media and the sort of uh, eternal distraction as a culture that we seem to be living in is that it takes away from that. It, it, it makes it... it I mean, definitely social media particularly, because of the nature of the medium itself, has a tendency towards sloganeering and, and, and simplification. And I really, truly believe that's the great enemy of our age. The 140, 280 character limits, the, the, um, the buzzwords and the... Um, sloganeering, the marketing cycle babble. All these things are, are ways of, of reducing the human experience to something manageable and manipulable and um, something easily quantified in the rational space. Whereas in actual fact, the, the true source of our, our value and meaning and self-fulfillment and self-validation is the very aspects of ourselves that are mysterious and paradoxical and cannot be reduced to simplistic um, sound bites. Okay, I'm going to leave it there. Um, that's probably not a very long podcast today, but <clears throat> I'm going to give myself a break on that. Try to think if there's anything else I want to say. No, I mean, I just think that, that why why is this an issue? Why is this self-validation thing an issue? Because it's increasingly we live in a, cu in a culture that doesn't value these things, that doesn't value what true art is really about, which is 
this mystery of human existence, the um, the awesome mystery, the awesomeness of our paradoxical nature. Um, we increasingly live in a in in a world driven by either ideology on the political side or or propaganda driven by marketing and consumerism, and all of those things value. The, the very engine of those things is simplification and a reduction of human nature to simplistic animal impulses, it, um, inputs and outputs, that we are just kind of behaviorist robots. The job of the artist is to remind people that that's not the case. The job of the artist is to to remind people that we are not products. And of course, that's uh, that's paradoxical as well because we have to live in the world. We have to partake in this world. We have Instagram accounts. We have YouTube accounts. We partake in Twitter disputes. We we are in battle by using the very tools that we are fighting against. But the answer is not to say which is what our enemies will do. Oh, this is a hypocrite, man. He sits there on his podcast. He uses the podcast. He uses the medium. He's such a, such a hypocrite. Yes, I'm a hypocrite. All I've been saying in the last fucking half hour has been to embrace the paradox. But at least I'm aware of it. And at least... I see that as a source of, of validation rather than as, you know, I see that my, my own moral failings are not a sign for me to give up, but it's actually a sign for me to persist. I have a robust redefinition of success and I recommend this to anybody so that any of these sneering hipsters with their silly little counterexamples and their silly little meddling, piddling arguments, no matter what they throw at us, we're impervious to them because not because we're arrogant and we're and we and, and none of it gets through, but because it's it's true. What they say is true. So what? Well done. Fuck off. I'm a hypocrite. Thanks. Tell me something I didn't know when I fucking woke up this morning. Right. I'll leave it there. Thanks for listening.